Hello, this is former Fox Sports Wisconsin anchor and proud fellow Wauwatosan Jeff Grayson. From my position high in the booth, it appears conditions are good for this much-anticipated matchup. Let's go down to the studio. The action is about to start. It's season four of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. This is Chris Beyer, as always, with Jim Martin. Jim. Hello, fans. We are here tonight with the wife of of a former guest of ours, Bill Finn, who was the voice of season three. And as we've talked about, I'm involved with a a group called the Tosa Spokesman. It's a biking group here in Wisconsin. But anyway, Bill Finn is married to Kirsten Finn, and she is the executive director of the Wisconsin Bike Federation. I would like to welcome Kirsten to the show. Welcome, Kirsten. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi, Kirsten. Hello. Yeah, I got to assume that you got into this uh, position some way through our biking group. I know that a previous president was another person in our group. Yes. Do you mean Kevin Hardman? Yeah, yeah Kevin and uh, Dave Schlebowski. I have, I have the pleasure of being uh, friends with several of the people who've held my position in the past. So that's a, a very nice thing. Yeah. Nice. I'm assuming that's how you became made aware of this job is through your contacts in our group. Is that how it uh, well, I, I, it's sort of, I guess um, I, I came to the Wisconsin Bike Fed, like most people, uh, through participation in the Santa Rampage, uh, which in our uh, house we call the High Holy Holiday. Um, so I was a big rampager every year um, and you know participated in some of their other events, uh, like the Polish Moon Ride. And uh, I was riding um, pretty seriously with the Belladonnas, which was a group that used to be... Um, active here in Milwaukee. And um, about seven years ago, my father was um, hit uh, by a car while he was riding his bike to work. Um, I was raised by a very serious cyclist. And uh, he used to always, you know, go out and do 40, 50 miles with his friends in the morning, come home, shower, and then get on a different bike (laughs) to ride it downtown to go to his job at Northwestern Hospital. So he was uh, hit by a car and uh, severed his spinal cord and he uses a wheelchair now. And it really threw me for a loop for my own cycling. I was very uh, afraid um, of riding, particularly in the city. And um, when the bike fed was looking for a new executive director, I was actually watching Bill compete in a cyclocross race. And uh, Lindsay Crete, who is a friend of mine and on the bike fed board came up to me and said, Hey, you ever consider uh, applying to be the executive director of the Wisconsin Bike Fed? And I was like, oh, I, I never really thought of it. And she said, well, we're hiring. Um, you know, maybe you could go home right now and send us a resume. <laughs> uh, so I did that. And I, like two weeks later, I had the job. So um, it was something that was very far from uh, what what my training and background had been. But they needed somebody who was experienced in nonprofit management, particularly fundraising. And so uh, that's kind of what I brought to the table. And in addition to a real passion for the mission, you know, from my own life experience. Wow. So it's not often that people just walk up to you off the street and say, hey, do you want a job? Here you go. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I've got to imagine, based upon what you just said in your story, that one of the main focuses of your job probably is 
bike safety? Well, it's it's interesting. Um, the Wisconsin Bike Fed is, you know, the statewide advocacy organization and the needs of the whole state are so different. Um, and, and, you know, we're really, I say a three, a three-legged school stool. One component is education. Um, we teach children and adults how to ride safely and how to navigate their community by bike. Um, one part is advocacy in terms of uh, bike-friendly laws and legislation. And then the third part is encouragement. And that's just getting more people out on bikes more of the time so that uh, seeing cyclists becomes more commonplace and people are, are accustomed to reacting with cyclists in traffic and it's less novel or surprising when a bike is sharing the road with a car. I've seen a lot of um, new roads and they come out and they all have bike lanes now. Is that something that you guys uh, were pushing for or that type of thing? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that we are pushing for is uh, the complete streets policy, which uh, means that when they build a new road, that the needs of all users are taken into account, not just people in cars. So that is uh, pedestrians, people in wheelchairs, people in strollers, people taking the bus uh, and, and cyclists. We see a lot of roads with bike lanes, but they aren't very good ones. Um, you know, you'll see a bike lane on the side of uh, a road where the the speed is, is, you know, 45, 50 miles an hour. You see bike lanes and they have snow in them or garbage in them or people in, in Milwaukee, especially just like to use them as a passing lane. We would like to see bike lanes done a lot better than they're being done in the state. How can you get people to avoid using them as say a passing lane? There's a couple of like notable local examples. If you go over the Holly Bridge now, they have uh, that separated bike lane. Another example would be on on Kilbourne now, they have parking protected bike lanes. So you just flip the parking and the bike lane so that, you know, it's a parked car and then you're riding on the the right-hand side of the car. It doesn't even cost anything to just kind of flip those two things and, and provide a little bit more protection. On Beecher now, our offices are in the New Wheel and Sprocket in Bayview. And on Beecher, they're they're putting in a really fancy raised protected bike lane with some of the money that's coming from that new Michaels uh, development there. You know, that's just the dream, right? But mm-hmm. it's just one block of the dream. So <laughs> just ride back and forth. Say, yeah, right. <laughs> Do you get much pushback from motorists saying you're taking up too much of our, our lanes that we want to drive in? Is oh, it- for sure. And and you see a lot of folks uh, make a big stink about cyclists taking away parking. I come from the Chicago area and there's never an expectation that you will go somewhere downtown and park directly in front of the building you're going to. But in Milwaukee, you know, particularly you see really uh, dense areas like the third ward and people will just like circle and circle and circle the block looking for a meter directly in front of the place they're going. They'll never even consider using the two like big parking structures or right. parking outside of the third ward and, and walking in or That's for the suckers. Third ward shuttle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you stick with it long enough. You're going to get that spot directly in front <laughs> I remember I read a book, and this sounds kind of boring, but it was about traffic. It was about traffic design and things like this. I read it some years ago. And in it, the guy made an argument, or maybe he re- referred to an argument that had been made previously, that it is crazy to have on-street parking in downtown situations uh, because that real estate that that car is taking up is so valuable and that you could increase traffic flow dramatically by just outlawing on-street parking 
in major downtown areas entirely and have it all off street. Absolutely. Hmm. Just the idea you see in other communities that um, the street is for people. The street isn't for cars. I just read an article about how Paris is going to be completely like car free, like right in the, in the downtown of Paris and, that place is crazy to drive. Have you yeah. ever been there? That circle thing where it's like, I have, it's yeah. like an eight lane roundabout. Like, how do you even get out of there? <laughs> I don't get it. Like, it's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. I've got to say, I'm a big fan of roundabouts. Uh, how does the bike fed feel about roundabouts? Yeah, I think that they're a really efficient use of space. And I, I do think that they're safer in a lot of situations, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, especially, you know, cyclists, we get a lot of um, complaints that cyclists aren't great at stopping at stop signs or stop lights. One piece of legislation that is being considered is the Idaho stop. Have you heard of this? Where um, cyclists can treat a stop sign as a yield and a red light as a stop, um, which is kind of just a normalization of how most people ride. You know, if you're by yourself and you see a stop sign and there's no cars coming, you know, very few people actually put their foot down and, and stop. I've heard that the stop signs with the white borders are optional anyway. So that's how I treat it, you know, even when I'm driving around. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I know it, it sounds, you know, like you said, a lot of motorists will say, um, you know, these bikes are, are not obeying the traffic laws. And so the idea of this Idaho stop thing sounds appealing to me because, like you said, I think it's what most cyclists do anyway. Um, is that only if there are no other cars around? Because if I'm coming to a stop, I usually assume the cyclists are not going to stop. And they just, you know, and so I'm not going right. to try and pull out like, well, he's got to stop too. You know, I mean, that just doesn't work, right? Yes, for so, sure. Um, That's just if there's no other traffic. Yeah. Okay. So what are some of the other big issues, you know, that you guys are working on? Oh, yeah. So I talked about the complete streets law. And that was something that Wisconsin had uh, in the past. And then in during the Walker administration, it was repealed. We are the only state in the United States that had a complete streets mandate and then repealed it. So that's kind of embarrassing. And that's something that we've been wanting to get put back in place. We have been working on a distracted uh, driver bill that would increase penalties for people who are on their phone while they're driving. You know, we're taking kind of a different uh, tact for 2022. Things in Madison right now are just so partisan. It's very hard to get any kind of legislation passed. And so we have been, you know, really knocking our heads against a brick wall um, on these issues for for a couple of years now. We're kind of going to take a shift in 2022 to focus more on nonpartisan projects rather than legislation because there are projects in every district across Wisconsin that if they were complete, it would help the network. You know, it really would provide economic benefit and all kinds of things for for every community um, that these projects lie in. So, you know, one example would be the 30th Street Corridor in Milwaukee. Uh, I don't know if you know about that. Is it old uh, train track area, perhaps? It is, yeah, from Havenwoods to um, the stadium. Um just an excellent opportunity to have a trail that would bring economic development to that area, but also would provide uh, Milwaukee with an interconnected bike network because it would hook up with the beer line trail um, to the North and the Hank Aaron to the South. And then uh, you know, you'd, you'd be able to make a loop around the entire city by bike um, would oh. really increase oh, connectivity. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And then today I was out uh, in Oconomowoc talking with representative Dietrich and uh, the Lake Country Trail there um, 
when you have to cross Highway 67 is very dangerous. And right. when they widened 67, they built a tunnel for cyclists and uh, pedestrians to go underneath 67, but they ran out of money and never finished it. And it's been just kind of blocked off for years. And now so, that... So it's just a wall like halfway through a, a hill? <laughs> I mean, Yeah, like they, hole, they cut it in there, but they never, they never it, finished it. It doesn't go yeah. through. Yeah. Well, it goes through, but it's not usable oh. yet. Oh, okay. And so, um, you know, with all the ARPA dollars coming into the state, uh, you know, I've been saying, hey, you know, this would be a great time to get this done. Yeah. So, you know, there are projects like that all over Wisconsin. And so we're kind of right now trying to identify what those are, um, vet the ones that would benefit the most people, see which ones can we can, you know, knock off uh, at this time when there is extra income coming into the state for infrastructure. Um, so that's kind of what we're trying to do for 2022, because we feel like we can do a lot of good in a nonpartisan way and kind of negotiate the current political climate that way. Has there been an increase in bike motor vehicle related accidents uh, as distracted driving seems to be increasing? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, and I don't have the stats on, you know, whether, I mean, I, I, I know I have them, but I don't know them off the top of my head about how many um, fatalities there have been because of this. But I uh, serve on the Dane County Traffic Safety Commission. You know, quarterly we get together and then the sheriffs are on the on the call and we kind of run through all of the fatalities and serious accidents in Dane County. And they talk about whether it uh, was caused by infrastructure or whether it was caused by distracted driving or whether it was caused by impaired driving because of drugs or alcohol. I mean, you know, I've, I've been doing this just for less than a year and the meetings that I've been on, the stories about people being on their phones, they're ridiculous. And, uh, you know, it's sad. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a high percentage of the cases that I have heard the sheriffs talking to through, you know, and it's, it's like somebody will be stopped at a stop sign. Someone else is on their phone. This is one case that I heard about that was terrible. Someone was stopped at a stop sign. Someone else was on their phone and didn't stop, ran into that person, pushed that person into the intersection. And then they hit an oncoming car and killed two senior citizens that were in the car. It's so uh, preventable. That's what's so frustrating. You know, the, the problem too, with the phones is, you know, uh, some States like Illinois, they have a, a law where you can't be hold, you have to have hands free, yes. right? Hands free. And if that's that, what we are talking about too. That's a small part of the problem. In my opinion, the problem really is you're not, you're focused somewhere completely off, you know, in the ethers, you know, somewhere you're completely thinking about something completely different, but that that's ultimately the problem. It's not holding the phone. I mean, that's, that's not good to have one hand, especially when you're smoking, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> you've seen these people with one hand with the phone, one hand with the cigarette, like and a cheeseburger. What? Yeah. Right. You're right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Drinking a diet Coke. But you know, that's, that's the thing is that it's the actual attention. That's the problem. I yeah. think. Well, yeah. one thing that might solve that problem is, Something that's in the news a lot, autonomous vehicles, right? Vehicles that are going to be self-driving. Yeah. Uh, are you guys in the bike fed thinking about a future where the cars are automated? Is that something that you've considered? There are people in the industry that are, are thinking about that. That's not something that I've been thinking about too much yet. Um, but I, I do, I do believe that, um, you know, part of the federal infrastructure, transportation infrastructure bill that they're working on now, that's one of the, one of the pieces in that bill. So it'll be really interesting to see how that uh, plays out on the state level. Have you thought about autonomous bikes? You know, they autonomous just ride bikes. themselves. I mean, you know, then you don't have to worry about any of that either. 
<laughs> well, I tell you, we've got one change in bikes. Uh, a very growing part of the field is the e-bike, right? The electric. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an is... e-bike rider myself. Oh, yeah. Chris doesn't yeah. look happy about that. He looks like he's, no, no, he's no. shocked. He paused like, okay, you're one of those. That's what the look is <laughs> on his face. <laughs> How no, do you feel about you... this, Chris? No, I've, I think it's good. And obviously, it allows yeah. people of differing abilities to ride together, right? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, uh, so the first e-bike in our house belonged to my son. My son has muscular dystrophy and um, we had never been able to ride together as a family until uh, he got one. Honestly, he didn't start. I mean, he knew how to ride a bike from a young age, but the e-bike, he's like seriously riding a bike for the first time. He started at like 16, really riding hmm. a bike. Wow. So that's great. It's been incredible. It's been yeah. really life changing. So. Yeah. And for me, it's just um, like if you're commuting to work or something, it's so nice to be able to roll up and just get to work and not have to change and shower and, you know, right. sure. all that stuff. It's just really sure. practical. Yeah. It's um, like in between a uh, a motorcycle and a bike. I mean, that's that's it. And even a scooter, right? It's a little bit a little bit slower than a scooter is nice. I mean, I would think it'd be great. Well, I mean, mine, mine goes up to 30 miles an hour, Ooh, but it's, it's pedal assist. It, you have to be okay. pedaling. So it's not, oh, it doesn't have a throttle. Um, so, okay. you know, you're still, you're still working. You, you yeah. can work as much as much or as little as you want. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I do think uh, that what Jim just said is, you know, when I talk to people about e-bikes, they say, well, I want to work out. It's not a scooter. It's not a motorcycle. It's a bike that just gives you a little bit of extra boost when you're riding. Okay. Yeah. See, I've seen the other ones though. I mean, well, and maybe this is different. It's like, it's a bicycle. It's got a little motor on it. It just, yes. and just drives you around. I mean, that's, I think that must be different. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, mm. so I think that's like what they call a class B e-bike. I think there's class A, oh, okay. class C. Class A, I believe is a pedal assist, but it only goes up to 24 miles an hour. And then class C, which is what I have goes faster, but it's still pedal assist. I think class B actually has a throttle. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Wow. That's wild. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't even know those existed. Now I might be a bicyclist. Chris knows what I've done on a bike. It's not, not pretty. People yeah. say something like, you know, they refer to a task that right. they used to do and they say, oh, it's like riding a bike. They refer to it as something that, hey, we've all learned how to ride a bike. And so this is like that. Jim never really learned how to ride a bike. I, I've seen you ride a bike and it's, it's something that you have not mastered. <laughs> well, it's, it's not true. I, I used to ride a dirt bike. I never had a 10 speed bike, you know, with the big wheels and the big skinny wheels. So one time, like way later, like I got out of the air force and everything. I came across like, yeah, we're going biking. Why don't you go biking? All right. So I got on the bike and like, it was a disaster. Like, well, first, first of all, the chain kept falling off, but, but even that it was like, it was just, it was a mess. It was a mess. It had brakes on the handles. On the handlebars? Yeah. What the heck is that? Were you so, trying to pedal yeah. backwards? Yeah, yeah. Stop Why? It. I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. So, so uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of focus on, on what can be done, make bikes more safe. But other than the obvious, uh, stopping at stop signs and things like that, what does the bike fed encourage cyclists do, to do to stay safe? Uh, well, so one of the things that we really work on with kids, besides like the bike handling stuff, we really help kids to find uh, safe ways to ride, you know? So we have a program called Safe Routes to School. Um, it's helping kids figure out what are safe routes. Like what, you know, if you're going from your house to the school, you know, which streets should you avoid? Which streets are, you know, are better for, for cyclists? And just, you know, having that kind of awareness of, um, you know, what, what you can do to choose, to choose your, your route wisely. Right. 
Is there, is there an app for that? I mean, seriously, like, is, there, is that something you could plug in? It feels like some, that should be something easily, like Google Maps should be able to figure out, like, oh, the least traffic route, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think Google Maps will show you, like, a suggested bike route. But I do think that there's a lot of, like, boots on the ground knowledge when you're in your own neighborhood. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's a pothole on this street or, you know, there's a, a big dog on that street. I mean, oh, I think sure. that there are things that you figure out, you know, when you live in an area and, and ride a route every day. Right, right. Well, and as Chris was saying, you know, helmets, but we also, um, you know, we're working with Andrew Rasa, um, who rides locally. I don't know if you know Andrew. He works at MPS Rec and they have these twilight centers where kids can come after school for homework help and, you know, play basketball and all this stuff. And he said, kids will ride their bikes there, but then they're showing up and they don't have locks and they don't have lights and they don't have helmets. So um, one of the things, you know, we, we partner with groups like Free Bikes for Kids, but for the bike fed, it's really important for us if you're giving a kid a bike, you know, you want to make sure they can hold on to the bike, you know, that they're, they have a lock. Um, they know they have a good lock. They know how to lock it properly. Uh, they have a helmet and they, they have lights. When is it uh, appropriate for a bicycle to ride on the sidewalk? Well, so they say at age 12, right? Is it age 12 that you're not supposed to, I think it's age 12. You have to be under 12 to ride on a, on a, on a sidewalk. But I will say, you know, my son uh, is at UW-Milwaukee and he uh, rides from his dorm uh, back home and he rides on Lisbon all the time. And I'm like, it's nighttime and you're riding on Lisbon. Get out on the sidewalk, which, you know, of course I'm not sure. supposed to say, um, but, <laughs> we'll you know. That. What about these scooters and how they interact with bicycles and where should they be riding? Yeah, so we actually do collaborate with uh, the scooter companies because we feel like, um, you know, all all boats will rise. If you build the infrastructure for uh, micromobility, it benefits all modes. And so um, we really partner with the scooter companies to make sure that there are safe places for you to scoot also. And, you know, to advocate for more places to park your bikes and park the scooters, because that's that's the complaint that I hear most often. I mean, first of all, the people are riding the scooters on the sidewalk. And second of all, that they're just leaving them, you know, on people's lawns and, you know, in the, in the street and and that kind of thing. And so I think that the same sort of infrastructure that would benefit bikes would make it better for using a scooter in Milwaukee. Makes sense to me. So you were in charge of the whole state though. Do you do a lot of traveling for that? Uh, well, so it was interesting. I started in November of 2019 and then, you know, in March, oh. everything shut down. So um, just recently, am I starting to travel more, uh, which is enjoyable. But I have to say that, you know, one of the good things about um, COVID was that I was able to talk to a lot of people via Zoom and kind of figure out what I didn't know, you know, before before things started opening up. So it was a little sure. bit more comfortable um, for me. Um, but yeah, it's challenging. You know, when you asked if I was in charge of a bike infrastructure, not really, you know, we have, I have program managers who are a lot smarter about things like that than I am. And I am just trying to figure out, you know, statewide, um, how can we advance cycling so that it is a better place to attract young people to come and take jobs? And how do we promote cycling in Wisconsin so that, it becomes a real uh, tourism um, proposition for people to come on vacation and ride their bikes. And, um, you know, how can we put bike lanes in commercial corridors and convince uh, business owners that uh, they, their businesses will thrive 
if they take the parking away and put a bike lane in, like we've seen happen on North Avenue in, in Wauwatosa, where, you know, people are, are visiting, you know, all of those restaurants and bars and bakeries and stores by bike, you know, like crazy. And so um, I'm really trying, you know, on a good day <laughs> to focus on more of the statewide, how do we promote Wisconsin as a bicycling destination? Sure, sure. And uh, I mean, I would imagine you'd be able to, you could use that as a way, to, an incentive for the people who are anti-public transit. Um, say like, well, if you, you know, if you provide more, this is a, a different way to get those same kind of people here and the same kind of advantages without all the infrastructure and all the, all the costs in there, you know, because like the, the train or not the, uh, what is that? The trolley thing that, that's got like, a, like two sides, right? Some people really love it. Some people really hate it. I'm thinking like this sort of serves the same purpose, right? The, the idea is you want an easy way to get around the city for people who don't necessarily want or have a car. So for sure. Um, yeah. How about these public bike projects like bubbler bikes in Milwaukee? They might have something similar in Madison. Have they been as successful as had been initially hoped? And I say this with a little bit of a, uh, an opinion on this in the sense that I've got a bubbler bike station in front of my property. And I also see these scooters. The scooters seem to get far more usage than the bikes do. How is that project working? Is it is going forward? Has it been as good as they'd hoped? I think Bubbler is such an amazing and important amenity uh, and, and, and services like that for cities. I know that there was some initial feeling that Bubbler stations were only being put in affluent neighborhoods and that um, the people that really needed them weren't able to access them as easily. And so I know that Bubbler has really... Um, made great strides to put more stations in, uh, in the inner city. Um, that's, that's one of their big goals. I do know that um, other bike share systems like in Madison and in Chicago, for example, are a lot more popular than bubbler because they have e-bikes. And I think that that's part of why you're seeing that the scooters are more popular. Um, you know, if people are getting off the Amtrak and they want to hop on something, uh, to get to their appointment in Milwaukee, you know, it's a lot better you know, to what I was saying about my e-bike earlier. It's a lot easier if you're in a suit or a dress or whatever to get on something where you're not working quite as hard. B-Cycle in Madison um, was started by Trek. My understanding is that when they switched to electric bikes, it was like one night, all the old uh, bikes were out on the system. And then, you know, in the middle of the night, they disappeared and were replaced by e-bikes. And now Bubbler here in Milwaukee has just gotten, I think, their first dozen, 20 or so e-bikes that they're they're putting out on the system. And um, I know that in Chicago, where they have a mixture of, of regular bikes and e-bikes, people will stand at the station on their phone waiting to see when an e-bike is going to be returned rather than taking, <laughs> you know, one of the non-electric bikes. So um, I think that that the introduction of the e-bikes is really going to boost ridership a lot for Bubbler. Yeah, yeah so, I think so. Yeah. If, if they have the e-bikes, does that mean you still have to return them to one of those stations? Because I think that's the downfall of Bubbler versus these, these scooters where you can just drop them on somebody's drop lawn, somebody, you know, yeah. and, and you can pick them up and, um, and away you go instead of like, well, I want to be two blocks away, but I got to park my bike over here at the Bubbler station and walk the two blocks, you know, you can just zip away with it. Yeah, for sure. 
I know that in the past there had been bike share programs, and I don't know if they still do this, where it was essentially free bikes, and it was like a scooter system where you just pick it up and ride it and drop it wherever you want to. But I think they had problems with stealing with those. That was the issue with that. They had that in Amsterdam. That's a big deal. I mean, Amsterdam is a huge biking community, and uh, and they had these, just like you said, they had these bikes that they just park there, and people just hop on them, and away they go. And, and they don't really steal them because they can always get them. You know, so right. why steal? You know, they're just there. So, right. I, I, I like I said, I do think that was an issue because I re- I think I remember they had that in Madison. They had it in, in different towns, and maybe they still do. Uh, and that would uh, that would solve that problem of the station, right? Yeah. You can just leave mm-hmm. wherever you want. Although I haven't had it happen yet, but those scooters, you you got to think people are tripping over those things because people just leave them wherever it seems. Yeah, that's uh, that's been an issue on next door. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what isn't? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, right. anyway, uh, <laughs> Kirsten Finn, thanks again for being on our show here. Kirsten is the executive director of the Wisconsin Bike Federation. Uh, again, I want to thank you for being on our show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Enjoy thanks, talking Kirsten. to you. Good talking right. to you. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast when we talk with Valley Heights comp troller Kirsten Thurston. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.